This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Primal Podcast. At Primal, hunting is more than just a hobby. It's a way of life. And whether you're an expert or just getting started, Primal can help make you a better hunter. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to another edition of the Primal Podcast. Primal Outdoors, you know this company. They keep coming up with great products to help our hunting experience, to help us better enjoy our hunting experience, and I would like to think to be more effective and to maybe uh, even be a better hunter. Charlie Wiltsey is a guy who's already a really good hunter. He doesn't need a lot of help from Primal Products, but you know what? He uses them every chance he gets, and he's one of my favorite guests here on the Primal Podcast. Charlie, welcome back. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Always, always great to be with you, Mike. Well, listen, I, I love hearing about your hunting adventures, and this time you've got a story of a really fun trip out west. Yes, very, very fun, great time. Mountain lion hunting, archery equipment, north central Wyoming. <laughs> Man, that sounds like a bucket list right there. Oh, I've been wanting to do it a long time, and very fortunate it came together. And we just had an absolutely epic hunt. Charlie, tell me, what is involved in the preparation and scheduling of a hunt like this? Was this a, a long time coming, or did you put this together at the last minute? It was about 14 months. Um, I've got friends in Colorado that I've met. We do some elk hunting with. They also hunt mountain lions, and someday I would like to get over there. But I had an opportunity um, here in this north-central Wyoming area um, talked with uh, the outfitter, outfitters. Um, one of the guys, the main guides that actually grew up in Ogama County, where I'm from, uh. uh, Tommy Seafro. So I was talking with him, and then it kind of all came together. 
But uh, one thing I really did is I knew we were going to be hitting some really hard terrain. So I um, I always train hard for out west, but I did a little extra training for this one, Mike. Because of the altitude, because of the mountains, the terrain, why, Charlie? Well, the altitude, I knew we were going to be hunting in fairly you know high altitude. We, um, we were right around that 6,000 to about 9,000 feet. But the terrain there, um, and especially the terrain that uh, a mountain lion likes to head into, um, where you know that you might get yourself into it's it's aggressive, it's um, you know steep, high elevation. Um, sometimes you know, like we'll get into it on our talk here. You know, we ended up a, a thousand foot vertical hike out um, mm. after we harvested my mount line in the bottom of a canyon. So I always tell myself, Mike, been hunting out west now for about nine years, uh, elk hunting, especially in, in September, um, that I don't want to be held back from my physical, um, you know, being in the condition that's going to hold me back from something. It's You know, you have so many limited opportunities at this stuff. I always say that I want to be in the in the shape that I can isn't going to hold me back from an, an opportunity that, you know, I could maybe never get again. You can't train for the altitude, though, can you? No, no, you, you really, you can't really train for that. No, I just try to, I try to, you know, for my lungs, just get as best as I can when it comes to, you know, doing cardio and especially eating healthier, you know, going in into the end uh, of the hunt. But it's really hard without us, with us not living out west. I mean, when it comes to the altitude, you just <clears throat> the better physical shape you can in your body typically is going to adjust a lot better. And why an archery hunt? I know some guys who've gone out west, but they were all rifle hunts. I just I love archery. You know, I've been I've been hunting uh, go with, with a bow since I was twelve. Had a bow in my hand since about six. And if I can use my bow to hunt anything, I will. I I, I enjoy doing some rifle hunting. Enjoy doing some muzzleload hunting. But archery for me, there's nothing better. As you were going out there, what did you envision this hunt was going to be? Did you have an idea in your mind and did it come together the way you thought it would? That's a good question. Um, never ever in my life have I hunted with dogs before. I, you know, I've seen it before on, you know, TV and, you know, I've, I've read about it and talking with a couple of my other friends that have done it. Um, but I really was kind of interested to see how that was going to all work. And it kind of what I envisioned to a point, um, it was way, way more exciting than I even thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be, totally epic but to actually see how the dogs worked and the and just the whole way you hunt these mountain lions um it was absolutely incredible i think the hound hunters sometimes get a bad rap and they i don't think they always deserve it uh when you went out there were you a little um hesitant to hunt with the dogs or, or, or is that the only way you can do it out there yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't hesitant. Um, I, I've got a lot of respect for those guys. I mean, these are animals. These are predators that we absolutely have to manage. And pretty much the only way that you can kill a mountain lion. Now, I'm not saying other people, Mike, haven't shot mountain lions without a dog. But 99% of the time, you have to have some good hounds. Find them fresh tracks, and then you just got to hope that they're going to stay on that cat because that cat may run up six, seven different trees. Um, you just got to hope you got good hounds and be able to, you know, to be able to get on that cat and then to, to try to make a, you know, a harvest on it. Um, but really using dogs is, is really the only way you can. And, and for me, I mean, we all know 
what these predators do, they do to our whitetails, to our mule deer, to our elk out there. And if these mountain lions weren't managed, it would be it would be absolutely horrible. They would move on to those animals, to to cattle, and it would it would just be horrible. So we have to manage these animals. And I know some people, you know, I can't believe you're going to hunt a mountain lion and what have you. Well, they have to be managed because if not, it's going to cause major problems. Yeah, these top-tier predators. I mean, I'm not one of those people, Charlie, who says let's kill them all because I think it's nice to have some top-tier predators in the system. But when you get too many, and we see that here in Michigan in the UP with our with our wolves, they've they've got to be managed. And at this point, hunting, I think, is the best way to do it. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, 99.9% of us hunters that are at that level that are able to do these, I mean, you know, we're – we take this very, very seriously. So what does that mean? We're using the, the best people, we're using the best equipment, and we're making them the best humane kills we possibly can. And I agree with you, Mike. We, we've got to have, I mean, predators have a place. We've got, you know, we've got animals that get weak, we, and they need to be taken out of the herd, but we have to manage them. And, I mean, we see what's happening up in the UP right now. I mean, that's a whole other story. That's, that's just absolutely horrible what's happening up there. This is the Primal Podcast. If you want to learn more about Primal Outdoors, the uh, people in the company and their products especially, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. This time around, we're talking with Primal Pro Staffer Charlie Wiltsey about a Western hunting adventure. He was hunting for a mountain lion in Wyoming, right, Charlie? Absolutely. North Central Wyoming, out of 10 sleep. Bighorn. Oh. Bighorn Mountain Range. So, walk me through how a hunt like this works with hounds. Do you, how do you, do you, do you, do you drive the mountain trails looking for tracks or, or what? Yes, yeah. So, so basically, this is the third morning of our hunt when we harvested um, my cap. So, our alarms were set for two a.m. and we were uh, we were staying just in town. We'd leave from there about two twenty a.m. Uh, Tommy Seafrost was, we'd get to his place. He'd have the dogs loaded up. Uh, he had a Can-Am crew cab. We have three dogs in the back. Uh, one of my best friends who I hunt with a ton, uh, Phil Gibbs was with us. We would get right from his house where we were hunting there. We would get in, into the Can-Am and then just start heading up the mountains. Now we were there the first week in December, real, um, real low snowfall. So we had to keep going higher to get into the snowpack. And we were up into six six thousand sixty five hundred feet before we could even get snow. They were getting no fresh snow, so that was not helping us. But basically, what you do then is, you know, I mean, for us being early, you cannot release the hounds until daylight. But you can look all night long for fresh tracks. So they got real nice LED lights on each side of the um, of the Can Am, and you just go real slow up on, you know, on the two track trails, some of the side trails, and you're just looking for, um, you know, for that fresh print. And it was pretty awesome. So that morning, Tommy got out. He had a spot where he thought he saw one. He's like, hey, this is a pretty fresh fresh print. It's a good-sized cat. Well, that cat was coming down a two-track where at an intersection it actually went to dirt. I mean, there was no fresh snow, Mike. So we were having all sorts of challenges. But what, what happened then is so Tommy and Mike stayed on the road, and they kind of were trying to see where, where that cat was maybe crossing or come back on the road. And I actually got down with a really nice bright light and I was walking the side of the two track trying in the fresh snow and it about 15 minutes of walking, all of a sudden I saw a, a track 
and then it was right where a culvert was coming across the road, and that cat jumped on the culvert and then off the culvert, and I could confirm that this was the cat because it was fresh. So that's when I really started getting excited because I was like, wow, you know, we're, we're on a good cat with, with uh, you know, and it's fresh. Then Tommy releases the dogs, and then from there it just it just just awesome. <laughs> how so? <laughs> so so basically, how they had the systems now is the the dogs all have their collars, GPS system. Tommy's got a handheld Garmin GPS, but also inside the Can Am, he's got an eight inch Garmin screen, so you can watch the dogs on the Garmin screen. So so back up just a little bit. We waited the daylight. Daylight hit. Tommy releases the dogs and they just immediately take off and you can tell right away, you know, if it's not the most fresh trail, they might do a little barking and stuff, but they, they just attack. So I was like, Oh, this is great. So then we just kind of watch them on the screen and it's just incredible watching these dogs. So we had copper, we had a ranger and then I, I'm pulling the blank on the third dog's name, but it's absolutely incredible. Mike watching them work. So like copper's on a straight line, so if you're watching a straight line, that means they're pretty confident he's on that, that fresh fresh cat. Then all of a sudden he'll start circling, and then all of a sudden Ranger would come in, and then Ranger would pick up the cat, and Ranger straight lines, and then Copper starts following Ranger. I mean, it gives you a whole new respect for these dogs and what they can do. And just watching that, I mean, me and Phil Gibbs were just like, we were just like, this is absolutely incredible. And they just kept going and going, and we followed where we could with the Can-Am. And then finally we got to a point where Tommy felt confident, like, okay, guys, we're pretty sure the cat's been treed a couple times. He's got down. The dogs are still on him. He's, he's treed again, and, you know, maybe this will be the one. So then there is when we get out of the Can-Am. You know, I got all my archery equipment, so I was, you know, I got my bow, everything packed down on my big backpack, and then we just start walking. And from the Can-Am, we had almost a three-mile hike through heavy terrain to get to where the, the cat was in the tree. <laughs> so so there's a lot of um, physical work involved in this after the dogs do their work. Oh, oh yeah, then it's up to, you know, sometimes you, you could get really, really lucky and you could have a cat treed. Literally, I guess they've stayed sometimes within a quarter mile of, you know, of the buggy. But for our instance, it wasn't, and which actually we like. You know, we like to get out there. We like to really push ourselves. But it was up and down, heavy, steep for almost three miles. Tommy got out in front of us, Mike, and just said, follow my tracks. And, you know, now we're up in 8,000 feet. So oh. we've got a, you know, foot of good good powder. But me and Phil are just like, Phil's behind me trying to do do some videoing. But, you know, we're just trying to stay on it because we know we've got to get to Tommy and to the dogs and to the cat. But some spots got real steep. Um, I took right the last quarter of a mile. We had, a like I was saying, we dropped down into a canyon. And my feet came out from under me, and I landed on my back. And the first thing I said to Phil, I said, Phil, did you see where they the hit my sight? You know, because my, my bow's on my pack. Oh, yeah. It feels like, Charlie, no, it didn't hit your sight, but you, you hit the quiver. It looks like the quivers broke up, but everything's there. Well, literally at this time, we're hearing the dogs barking. You know, it's it's getting intense. We're getting excited and pumped. We hear Tommy's yelling, hunters are coming, boys, you know, because he's trying to keep them dogs on the tree so that cat stays up in the tree. So, I mean, we are just getting wired, and I end up falling again. My feet come out from me. I mean, it was steep and ice underneath that snow, mm. and this time Phil goes, Charlie, stop. 
and I just look to my left, and I have arrows crisscrossing behind me. My my quiver blew right out. So we're trying to get down there. I got my bow off. I got a handful of arrows. I got my bow in the other hand. We get down to the bottom of the creek. We get set up, and then it was go time. So if if you if you don't get to the tree in time, there's a danger that the cat's going to jump out. And you're going to have to do this whole thing over again. There's there's a danger the cat's going to drop. Yep, drop out of the tree, and then you know again with the way that train is, that he could hit a, an arrow on the side of a, a cliff. Excuse me, hit hit a spot on the side of the cliff where it's just rocked right out, and that cat can go to that, and them dogs can't. Hmm. Now your hunt's over. You know, you're down there where like we're three miles outside the buggy, thousand foot vertical drop to just get to an elevation we can keep hiking, and the hunt's over because you know we just can't get to the cat. So it's so important that when they're treed, then dogs stay on the tree, and the hunters get there as soon as they can. This is the Primal Podcast. Once again, if you want to learn more about Primal Outdoors, check out the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. We want to uh, continue our conversation with Charlie Wiltsey, but first we've got to take a quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Have you heard of Primal Outdoors? You might know them as Primal Tree Stands, but the company is much more. Yes, Primal has hang-ons, climbers, tripods, and ladder stands featuring their famous jaw and truss locking system, but they also have ground blinds like my favorite, the Wraith 270 see-through blind. I've used that for deer, turkeys, and bear hunting. You can see out, but the critters can't see in. Or check out the breeze for warm weather conditions. And if you need lots of room, the new High Roller XL for multiple hunters or even a quad. Primal is now in the trail camera business too, but not just any cameras. Primal cameras are controlled remotely by your cell phone. That makes the Primal Blind Spot 360 perfect for watching your back while in the blind or a runway just out of sight from your stand. To learn more, go to the website primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. Welcome back to the Primal Podcast. My name is Mike Avery. This time, a very interesting conversation, a very interesting story from Primal Pro Staffer Charlie Wiltsey. Charlie, you're out in Wyoming. You're on a mountain lion hunt. Again, this has got to be just an absolute dream. No, it's... It is. It's epic of all epic hunts. One of my best friends in the world with me videoing. And uh, now we're, you know, we're down on the creek, got the cat treed, confirmed it's a shooter. And now I've got to get myself steady and ready uh, to, to make a, a perfect shot. What, what makes a shooter mountain lion? Are you looking for a male or a certain size or what? Well, I mean, male or female, but I... I typically, after talking with Tommy, you know, when we first met and everything, I was looking for something around 120 pounds or bigger. Um, and, you know, some of these more mature males, they can, they can reach 200. Wow. 210 pounds. Yeah, just, just incredible. Five, six-foot-long tails. Just an incredible animal. 
Um, so when we figured we got down there, you know, Tommy's like, Charlie, it's about 130, 140-pound cat, which we kind of knew. Them guys are so good, Mike. When they look at the paws, they look at, they'll look at a print and be like, that's 140. Wow. That's 120. Wow. It's, it's impressive. So we knew going into it that we, we probably had a shooter. But at that point for me, I mean, just what me and Phil had put into that to get down to that ravine, you know, I, I was like, this is going to, this is going to happen. <laughs> Even if it was maybe a marginal, yeah, sure. it, it's go time. <laughs> so how far, okay. What type of tree is it up in and how far up the tree is it? It was like a, a ponderosa pine. This is big, huge, beautiful ponderosa pine Creek running right below it. I mean, the most perfect scenario. Um, the cat was, I ranged the cat at a little over 10 yards. So, you know, we're, you know, we're looking at 30 some feet in the tree, but the trees over top of the Creek. So it feels from where the position I was much higher than 30 some feet. Um, and then you've got all your limbs and everything. So you're trying to figure out your best angle of shot. And, uh, the dogs were doing really, really good staying on the tree, but there's just so many emotions going on. Cause first off you're, you know, you've got a predator of this size looking at you. Dogs are barking. It, it's just a really intense moment. So I was just trying to get my heartbeat down. You know, I had just taken those two falls, <laughs> you know, trying to get everything together, find that good shot. And Tommy said, yeah, Charlie, it's a good angle. So I had a really good shot at it, you know, get my heartbeat down and Phil was videoing and my, my best friend from Idaho, Josh Saylor ended up with another guy making it down into the ravine right before we shot. So he was there with me. And so I pulled back and I knew the angle was, you know, steep and I, I thought I could do it still standing. Well, I actually had to drop down to one knee and I don't know what it was about dropping down to one knee. It pulled me away from my pin and I started getting a little, little nervous. My, my heart started pounding more. Hmm. So I had to get myself composure back, you know, I'm full draw on one knee, get my pin settled. And once I had it settled, you know, I, I always find that one little hair. It's so important to find one little hair. And I found that hair, and my arrow, that G5 Mega Meat, hit the spot. And I just heard Tommy yell, perfect, perfect. And that cat jumped up in the air, went around another limb, fell out of the tree, dead. Wow. Right base of the tree. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah, that, that Mega Meat, it hit the spot and just did the perfect job. Because another thing, Mike, if you don't make a good shot, that cat falls well what's going to happen them dogs and them cat are going to fight and them dogs can get killed or get beat up really bad so when you can make a perfect shot like that the cat didn't feel anything you know was 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 dead before it hit the ground so it was just the most perfect situation i'm thinking about what that must have been like at the base of that tree um like you say you just you just beat yourself up physically to get in there the adrenaline's pumping you're looking at a top-tier predator. You've got the concern for the dogs. I mean, there's a lot riding on that one shot, Charlie, a lot. Oh, no, there's there's so much. I mean, Mike, it makes me kind of a, a emotional just talking about it. That, that moment in time will be in my head, and the people that was with me, you know, my best buddies there, we've talked about it a few times. Just such an incredible moment because it is. There's so much on the line, and just the way it all came together, just just incredible. So you did make a good shot. The cat drops right there. Do the dogs then yep. jump on it? Do they? Does the guide they, have to pull yep, the dogs do. off? Yep, the dogs do. And then Tommy, you know, these dogs are just amazing. You know, 
Uh, Tommy gets them pulled off real quick. You know, we're all kind of just sitting there like, wow, this just happened. You know, we take a minute and we celebrate. And then, uh, you know, then we say, okay, well, it's time. We got a thousand foot vertical hike out of here. So we skin the cat. Um, back straps of a mountain lion, believe it or not, are absolutely delicious. Um, the meat looks a lot like a turkey, a wild turkey breast, that color. But they are absolutely delicious. So we, you know, we did the processing, got everything um, skinned, uh, got it on my pack, got ready to go. And then we had that thousand foot vertical hike out, <laughs> which was intense. It took us, oh, probably about two hours to get out of that canyon. Wow. Yeah. But what a, what a hunt. What a hunt. You, you, I mean, I know it was hard physical work, but you had to be like, I know you were walking over boulders and logs, but it had to feel in some ways like you were walking on a cloud coming out of there. Oh, it was. It was. They have Phil and Josh with me. And, you know, we had made great, great relationships with Tommy. He's just an incredible guy, an incredible person. And uh, it was it was a moment. I'll never forget that hike out. Just so intense, but yet so gratifying for what we had just did. Uh, I'll never forget that moment ever. You know, you mentioned that mountain lion uh, meat is, is very good. I never would have thought that, Charlie. I, I For some reason, I never th- would have dreamed that eating a mountain lion is something I'd want to do. However, everybody I've ever talked to who has taken a cat and eaten it has said it is unbelievably good. Yeah, it, same here. You know, I started hunting in Colorado with my buddies that hunt mountain lions. I was like, what? You, you eat them? They're like, they're like, Charlie, they're delicious. Yeah, you just got just like bear meat. You got to make sure you get them that 160 degrees. But fantastic. Just, mm. just delicious. You're going to get the cat uh, mounted, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to do a head mount with a, with a roll-up. And actually, it's pretty cool. Uh, my friend Shelby up in Rose City, she does a great job. She's a taxidermist. And I said, I've got a 5x5 five five elk I shot a couple years ago. And what we're going to do is we're going to have that on a it's just, just, just uh, you know, the, the European mount. And then we're going to have that cat rolled up. Uh, kind of on the inside of the the mount of the elk. I think oh, it's gonna look super. <laughs> that's gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. She came up with the idea. Her and her boyfriend. I was like, oh my gosh, that's absolutely perfect. So it should be really cool. Charlie, did you get any grief uh, online about this hunt? And the reason I ask is. I've got a friend in the UP who went out west, and, and they did a hunt similar to yours. It was with a gun. It wasn't with a bow. But okay. he posted the kill shot online, and the antis got a hold of it, and they just came unglued, and they're crucifying these guys. Yeah. Now, I didn't yet. I mean, we're getting the video and everything's getting edited, Mike. You know, probably on YouTube. I'm sure we'll get some then. But on social media, for me, you know, I was up mainly Facebook. Some friends shared it and stuff. Nothing big. Some people asked, well, do you eat it? And I, and of course, said yes. So, you know, for sure, the back, back straps are delicious. Um, but no, never really got anything too heavy yet. So, Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. And I want to learn a little bit more from you about mountain lions, cougars, puma. It's, it's all the same, uh, same critter. I've never had the uh, blessing of seeing one in person, but I, it's something I want to do. I mean, again, top-tier predator. When you're looking at something like that, that is so very cool. But you've also got to think about, I mean, what are they eating out there, Charlie? Muleys and, and elk, is that what they're feeding on? Oh, yeah, yeah, and they're feeding on a lot of them. Um, I mean, Tommy, his boss, we had some conversations on this, Mike. An adult mountain lion, I mean, they, they can kill up to a couple elk a week. 
wow. and the way they hunt, they know the pinch points and, and how they, they'll jump off from top of cliffs. I mean, they are just absolute killers. And we're talking whitetails, mule deer, we're talking elk. Um, and they just absolutely 100% need to be managed. Because also, a mountain lion is not scared to attack a person. So that's another thing that a lot of these people forget about. You know, what about you, you like to hike? Well, what happens when people start getting attacked real frequently by an animal like this? That's what will happen if we don't manage them. I, I've seen videos of cats stalking people, and it's it's pretty scary just to watch the videos. I can't imagine being oh. in a position like that. Absolutely. And then out west there, when, when mountain lions do attack humans, you know, it's a mountain lion that's probably obviously been having a hard time with food, but it's right at right at dusk is when the most of the time they'll attack. I mean, can you imagine you're walking down a hiking trail and you have a 180-pound cat jump no. out of a tree? <laughs> I can't. No, I can't imagine that at all. Jeez. Oh, God. In a dark. Oh. Oh. Now you're, now you're going to give me nightmares tonight. Thanks for that, buddy. <laughs> no problem, Mike. Oh, so listen, you've been fortunate and blessed to be on so many cool hunts in so many different cool places. Where does this hunt rank? Number one. I can say it without without a doubt. I've been so blessed, to, like you said, to be able to hunt a lot of animals all around North America. It's number one. And the hunt before that was with my sister when she shot a beautiful white tail at our, our family cabin in Ogama County. All the hunting I've been able to do to be with her and the story we have behind that, that and this one is right there. Right uh, that there. is so cool. And I do really appreciate you, uh, Charlie, uh, sharing this story with us here on the Primal Podcast. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking with you, Mike. Hey, before I let you go, though, the next season we have coming up here, at least for me, is turkey season. Now, I love turkey hunting, as I know you do, but I got to believe a, a, a turkey hunt is going to be kind of a mundane, almost a boring hunt compared to what you've just been through. <laughs> well, it, it, it won't have the excitement or the thrill, but I'll tell you what, turkey hunting is is the best. I've absolutely hooked on turkey hunting. I love it. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one of those new Primal Harvester blinds to try that out for the springtime turkey season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited. That's what's so great about bobbing with Primal, you know, always bringing out new stuff. I think that blind is going to be fantastic, and I as well am, am hopefully going to be with my bow in hand uh, in one of those blinds here this spring. Well, uh, let's plan on getting you back here on the podcast as we get closer to turkey season to talk more about that. I'd love to do that, Mike. All right, Charlie, always a pleasure. You're welcome here anytime. Congrats on a uh, great trophy and a wonderful hunt. Thank you so much. On that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the Primal Podcast. One more time, if you want to learn more about Primal, including that new Harvester Blind, check out the Blind, new Harvester Blind. Check out the website, primaloutdoors.com. That's primaloutdoors.com. My name is Mike Avery, and I will talk with you next time right here on the Primal Podcast. Primal Podcast.